Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 46 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Thursday the 29th of November 2018 and it is a cold, wet day here in Scotland. In fact, it's so wet that you can probably hear the rain hammering on the roof of my garden office. My guest today is urban fantasy superstar Sherilyn Kenyon. Sherilyn is a number one New York Times and internationally best-selling author. Her first novel came out in 1993, and she has over 70 million books in print, and she writes in several successful series. I spoke to Sherilyn back in the summer, while she was busy packing for DragonCon, and she was incredibly nice and upbeat, despite having just come back from a visit to the dentist. She's a real professional, in other words. As it's December, very nearly, and the year is racing to a close, I thought I would review my progress. As you may know, I do like to set goals, and for the last three years I have done these publicly, um, through the podcast and on the Worried Writer website. So I set my goals back in January, I will put a link to those in the show notes, and it is an ongoing process of reviewing progress and trying to keep on track. If you've been listening to the show all this year, then you will know that I have had a very tough year personally. I haven't said specifically what happened, uh, partly because I don't want to bring you all down and it isn't what this show is about, and partly because it's just too painful to articulate. Um, But I suffered a bereavement back at the beginning of May, and suffice to say it's been one of the hardest and saddest times of my life. Now I feel as if I'm being... um, willfully obtuse, so I will just say it. Um, I lost my mum after a very shockingly short um, illness, so it was very traumatic and, as you might imagine, uh, has thrown me somewhat. So, allowing for that, um, I'm going to go through my goals, not because I want to be mean to myself, but for the opposite reason. I have a tendency to think, that I'm very unproductive and to be quite hard on myself. And I do think that as I was looking through the goals in preparation for recording this, that actually despite having so many bad, bad days, bad weeks, bad months, um, I have actually still managed to get stuff done. And that's why I think this is such a useful exercise. No matter what is going on in your life, if you can keep on trying Um, It's okay if you're failing as well, but just keep on coming back to it. Keep on um, making incremental steps towards the goals that you've set. Um, You will make some progress. So, back in January, I said that my writing goals for the year were to prioritise creation, uh, to write two new novels, write at least six articles for the Worried Writer site, and to try writing something in a different form. Now, I have written one new novel and then half of another two novels. So if you squish them together, that's two new novels. Um, Although I know that's not quite the same thing. Still, 
We're not quite at the end of the year. If I finish one of those other half-done drafts, then I will have hit my goal. So I'm pretty pleased with that. I didn't manage six articles on the Worried Writer site. Many apologies there. Um, it was one of the things that kind of slipped off the bottom of the list. Um, I think I've written two or three, but I did start my Patreon account, which means that I also did the audio extras every month. I didn't miss a single one, and I haven't missed any of the podcast. So I'm pretty pleased with that. I didn't try writing anything in a new form, but I did manage, there was something else on my list, which was to be more aware of my attention and when it's fragmented, and I wanted to develop my ability for sustained and deep focus. That was after reading Deep Work by Cal Newport, which really hit me and made a very compelling argument for the importance of managing deep focus and for developing my ability to concentrate um, and I did, I did focus on that at different times throughout the year. So I'm quite pleased. Okay, on to publishing goals. So this year I had Beneath the Water up for pre-order. Um, and I, I had set as a goal to create a marketing plan, um, including guest blogs and interviews and so on. I did do all the marketing stuff. I was also assigned a publicist for the first time ever, which was very exciting. Um, and that involved some input from me. So, I did all that. Next on the list is get a new publishing deal with either my Supernatural book or my work in progress. Again, if you've been listening, you know that I was in submission hell with my Supernatural book earlier in the year. What I don't think I've revealed yet is that I did get a publishing deal. I was offered a contract for my Supernatural book, my Supernatural thriller, but I actually decided to turn it down. That's quite a scary decision and not something that 2013 Sarah could possibly have imagined doing. But I'm very excited and it does mean that I can bring the book out quite quickly because it will be under my own steam now. Um, So I'm aiming to have that out in January. Next on the list is Publish New Urban Fantasy, the first in a series, aiming for October. Well, I am thrilled that I did manage to get that done. I wrote and published The Night Raven, and it did come out in October. So, yay me! (laughs) Next, get print rights back for The Secrets of Ghosts, and publish the paperback myself. Well, I'm half done. I got the print rights back, but I haven't done the paperback. That's going to have to go onto next year's list. Finally, get better at marketing and work on my mindset issues around this topic. Now, this is something that I have worked on a wee bit, um, but there is still lots and lots to do. Um, I've certainly been thinking about my mindset issues to the point where I think I might write a book about it because it's one of the ways in which I consolidate my own feelings and work out my own stuff is through writing about it. And I think hopefully... Anyway, it might be useful um, to other folk. It's certainly something that when I talk to my author friends, um, that comes up time and time again. People are not comfortable around marketing. Um, they're not happy about it. They don't really want to do it, generally. But of course, whether you are traditionally published or going the independent route, or like me, doing both, it is something that you will have to do. So that is something that I might put on my goal list for next year, um, but I'm not 100% sure. 
I had a few other goals under things like learning and creativity and health. Um, yes, health has been very hit and miss. Um, honestly, I was so knocked out, um, with grief that my walking, my sort of daily walking kind of decreased rather than increased. Um, I have been getting back to it though and doing stretching. I've still been playing badminton with my family, but it's a work in progress and not something that I have massively focused on this year for the aforementioned reasons. The very last thing on the list of my goals for 2018 was about community, getting better at sending out my newsletter, um, continuing with the podcast, setting up the Patreon account. So as I mentioned, I have done that. I have been a wee bit better with my newsletter, which has been great. I also finally managed my very first writing retreat, um, which was fantastic. I had so much fun. Uh, I went away with two dear author friends uh, just last week. We met in Edinburgh and we got loads of writing done and did loads of talking and drinking wine. So I absolutely loved it and I definitely want to do it again. Having just mentioned Patreon, um, if you would like to support the show, if you go to patreon.com forward slash worried writer, you can support the show there from as little as a dollar a month. Thank you so much to all my supporters on Patreon. Um, it means so much to me that you are willing to support the show. I often wonder if I ought to stop doing the podcast and free up more time for writing or business stuff. But your support through Patreon makes it not just more financially viable, but also demonstrates that you truly value the podcast, which is really encouraging. Massive thank you to new patron Chelsea Denard. And also thank you to Liz Otterson, who has upped her pledge this month. Thank you so much. Again, if you are interested in supporting the show, head to patreon.com forward slash worried writer. And not only will you get to support the show, you will get the patron only exclusive audio extras, which go out in the middle of each month. So on to December plans. And um, as ever, I plan to take it easy in December, but like every other year, I have planned to do this. Um, I still have loads to do in order to just take any time off. So the next couple of weeks are going to be super busy. Um, the second Crow Investigations book is chugging along and I would like to have the first draft done by the end of the year. I am definitely going to take a proper break over Christmas and New Year. So I'm going to record my January show quite early in December. Now that means that I might leave my 2019 goal setting until the February episode, although the blog post that will go with that will go up earlier. It just depends on whether I feel up to planning the year or whether I need to have the holiday to gain some strength first. Because honestly, I am quite low energy now. I am feeling quite tired and generally a wee bit um, lacking in motivation, which is not the best um, thing to be channeling when you're planning your year. So speaking of 2019, speaking of next year, um. If you have any questions or any thoughts for improving the podcast in 2019, um, I would love to hear it. Do you want the show to evolve or are you happy with the focus as it is? Please do let me know your thoughts, sarah at worriedwriter.com or of course you can find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter 
or head to the show notes and leave me a comment. I really want to be as helpful as possible. I really appreciate you listening and I wish you every success with your writing and want to be able to help in any way I can. If you want to support the show, but you aren't able to do so via Patreon at this time, I totally understand. Listening and sharing the show is also massively supportive, and I really appreciate it. If you want to go the extra mile, please leave a review on iTunes. I know people are always asking for reviews, but there's a reason. It really does help. Just before I finish up, a quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. Rose McKelland, who's at Rose McKelland1, longtime listener Maxine Mori author, who's at Scribbler underscore Maxi, Heather Critchlow, who's at H underscore Critchlow, and Lisa Redmond, who's at Lisa Reads Books. And now, onto the interview section of the show. My guest today is publishing phenomenon and queen of paranormal fiction, Sherilyn Kenyon. Sherilyn is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author with multiple popular series, including The Dark Hunters, The League and Lord of Avalon. Writing as Sherilyn Kenyon and Kinley McGregor, she has over 70 million copies of her books in print in over 100 countries. Latest releases include Death Doesn't Bargain, which is book two of the Dead Man's Cross trilogy, and out this week is book 28 of the Dark Hunter series, Stygian. Welcome to the show, Sherilyn, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me and, and for putting up a lot of technical difficulties <laughs> that we had this morning, so I, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, not at all. Well, I'm a little bit awestruck to have you here. So um, to kick things off, I was hoping you could tell us a wee bit about your new release, Stygian. Uh, it's a little different from the previous books. I, I finally get to go really deep into to the, the dark side as it is. Um, you know, in the previous books I've done, I've done Stryker's book, which he was he's the bad guy. But with this one, I, I go back to the very beginning of The Curse where Apollo turns against his created race, the Apollite, um, and and where they wake up, you know, up until now, they've been just like humans, where they live a normal lifespan, and, you know, it's the day where suddenly, here you are, you're going about your life, but you can't eat food, you are now cursed to die at age 27, you can't walk in daylight, you've got to, you know, everything has totally changed, and it's that moment where Stryker wakes up and realizes that he's got to watch his children die. Everything around him is now thrown into chaos. And, you know, it's seen through the eyes of actually Yuri and his son, who's born the first of the cursed children. And what it's like to to be, you know, a, an apolite faced with, I'm going now to have to be a demon and make that decision of, you know, am I going to choose to live past my 27th birthday at the cost of killing other people? And can I do it? And the thing that I really like about Urien, though, is unlike Asheron and Styx, he's not a dark and tragic character. You know, he was a, the, one of the most beloved sons out of Stryker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he has this poignancy, though, because tragedies all around him and yet he's not a hopeless character he's a fighter he's a warrior 
and his resolve and strength is just amazing. Fantastic. And there are, there are legions of fans who will be rushing out to grab that book tomorrow. Um, but for people who are new to the Dark Hunter world, I wondered, would you advise that they start at book one, as you perhaps would expect? Or do you have any other recommended ways to get hooked in? Well, you know, if you're OCD, and a lot of people are, <laughs> you know, of course, book one is always a good starting place. Studying is a good starting point because you really don't need exposure. It uh-huh. does go back to the very beginning, so you'll have all of the mythology. You won't feel lost at all. You know, it is a good starting point. If you have no exposure to the series, you won't be lost. You'll understand everything because you see it from, from when the curse begins. So everything's fully explained in it. Acheron or Styx make, makes a good leap-off point because, again, they go back to the very beginning uh, mm-hmm. of when the races are first cursed. Or, you know, I, I write any of the books to where, you know, I, I, I'm that person who I can never find book one, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> I'm always in the middle of a series whenever I, I start a book or find a book. Uh-huh. So every time I, I write something, I, I do it with full knowledge that the readers come to it and it may not be their first or it may be the first time they've read the books. Mm. So, yeah, I understand that's and that can be difficult to do. Can't say that kind of adding in some um, enough explanation for new folk to understand but not repeating for you know diehard fans um, well exactly mm, yeah and book yeah. 28 in a series is something i can't even comprehend it's so impressive <laughs> but but well, what has you. really kept your interest and, and do you have any tips for keeping going over a long series like that uh, I, you know, I've been running Dark Hunter since I was 18. Oh, wow. And, yeah, you know, so, I, you, you you know, that may be the novel, but, I, you know, before the novels, I, I mm-hmm. wrote hundreds of short stories. You know, um, I, I love the characters. I love the world. It, you know, the League series I've been writing since I was in third grade. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I grew up with those characters. They, It's like my family. They, they all intrigue me. You know, what I tell my, I've got two sons who are writers, and what I keep telling them is don't write anything you don't love because, you know, go into it thinking these are lifelong friends. And if you're not absolutely just enamored of what you're doing, then don't chase a trend. Don't write something because you think it's going to get published. Write what is in your heart, what is in your soul. Because you may have to live with these characters for the rest of your life. And if they're not your family and, and what what is just you're burning to do then you you don't do it (laughs) that's fantastic advice and um i was thinking about the sort of pressure maybe that comes i mean obviously it's um, it's amazing to have so many um deeply invested fans but but does it ever make it a wee bit tricky when you're writing for the love of it uh I to me no. Uh-huh, uh-huh. no I mean, that's you, good. <laughs> yeah, I don't ever want to disappoint a fan. I mean, uh-huh. you know, to me, you do have that pressure, and nothing hurts worse than, than to hear a fan didn't like a book. I mean, that mm-hmm. that is a stab to my throat and my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I don't want I, these, these are my children that I'm sending out there, and you know, in spite of what the Amazon reviews say, I I put my heart, my soul, and every ounce of time into you know i don't rush a book i i I respect my fans too much for that you know i put that's why some books like born of blood get delayed because if i don't have the time or i feel like it's not my best work i will not put it out there my name's on that and that's my guarantee (laughs) to the readers you know if if i don't feel it's the best i i i I make sure it is 
You know, I, mm. I'm never going to put anything out there that I don't think is 110% my best effort. Is it hard to keep sort of readers' expectations or like readers' voices out of your writing study, as it were? Uh, when I'm writing, no, because I, I don't think, and I know that sounds terrible. I don't think about you people. Y'all, no. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's me and the character. So mm. that's when I know that I, I'm really in the zone because it's just me and the characters and I don't, I don't hear anything else. Sadly, I don't hear my children, (laughs) which I feel really bad. And, you know, when I was published before I had my children, that was one of my big fears of having babies was what if they need, I I used to keep my babies literally strapped to my chest because I was always afraid they'd need something. I wouldn't hear them. Well, I'm deaf too, which really doesn't, or I say that my sister actually is deaf. I'm hearing impaired. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I don't want to misuse the terms and mislead people. I do know the difference. Um, and I'm lucky I have some hearing. My sister has none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, but being hearing impaired and the fact that I do get lost in my books, I was always afraid my children would need something. I absolutely wouldn't hear them. So <sighs> when they were real young, I'd keep them in my lap or on top of me so that when they needed something, I wouldn't accidentally not know they needed something. <laughs> and um, so do you, you saying that you really sink into the writing and sink into the, the world when you're, when you're writing, um, do you find that's easy, is perhaps the wrong word, but do you find it easy to sink into that state? Uh, no, I, I can fall into it very easily. You know, uh, again, it's too easily. Scary. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, I I can be in the middle of a conversation and my kids will laugh about because you're not even listening to me. You're writing. <laughs> mom, 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 mom. It's like, what? I knew it. I knew you weren't paying attention. You're playing with your characters. It's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. What were you saying? But they'll do it to me, too, now that they're writing. They're like, you're not listening to me either. You're off playing with Thomas Drake over there. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. They get it. <laughs> exactly. So I am, as I said, completely in awe of your productivity. Um, and because I'm always looking to increase my own, um, I'm going to have to demand for the secret to writing as many books as you do. I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I guess because I've I've done it since I was a kid. It's mm-hmm. all I've ever really done was write. You know, I I don't t- I have no life. Um, yeah, I I just I, my butt's always in the chair, and, and I'm always thinking about the characters. Mm-hmm. And do you have anything like? Um, do you plan a particular word count that you aim for each day, or or a time spent writing, or anything like that? Uh, what I tell my kids is don't because to, well, I, I'm well. That being said, my, the advice I give to every writer is writing advice is like a buffet. Mm-hmm. Take what you like and take second helpings if, if that's what you really do like. Leave everything else behind. You know, Don't let any other writer ever tell you how to write a book or what you need to do. Because if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. writer is different and every book is different. So whatever it takes to get from beginning to middle to end. That's your process. Respect your own process. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I, I really don't like is when writers beat themselves up. And so if you can't meet a 20-page deadline a day, then don't set that goal. Because then you're going to get caught in that loop of, oh, I didn't do my page count. And my son is one of those writers who does that. you know, And he'll compete with me. And I'm like, baby, don't compete with me. I've been doing this a whole lot longer. 
you know, because he's like, you need to do 25 pages a day. I don't always do 25 pages a day. Some days I do, and some days I can't get one page. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you don't get a page out, you don't get a page out. It, it's okay. You know, so I attempt to do 25 to 30 pages a day, but I don't always. I'd be lying if I said I did it. You know, there, there are two, three days where I don't do any pages at all because I'm doing other things like packing for Dragon Con. <laughs> but, um, so, yes, I, I personally do set page counts, um, especially when my kids aren't, you know, right now my kids are, I've got um, one in college, I've got one living in Japan, and my um, youngest son is about to graduate. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of that, they, now that they're older, I, I can actually meet those quite easily. But when they were younger, there were days when it was impossible. So, oh. but yeah, you know, don't, don't, writers, don't be cruel to yourselves. Respect your muse. Because that's a quick way to get the killer and make her go away. Don't do that. <laughs> I think I think that's so right that um, we do tend to be quite hard on ourselves. Um, and something that I struggled struggled with a lot in the beginning and and still do now is feeling self doubt um, yes. and feeling like you know that I, what I'm writing isn't good enough. And and I think that's quite common. I I wondered if it's something that you have ever suffered with or oh my still- god, <laughs> still do. yes, remember. Uh, you can fix a bad page. You can't fix a blank one. Good books are rewritten. They're not written. <laughs> yeah, no, we all think we suck. The suck song goes in my head all every time I write, suck, 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 suck. <laughs> Don't throw them out there. Yeah, no, God, yeah. It doesn't every go away I, then. <laughs> no, every book I write is the worst book I've ever written. I mean, you know, at some point, the little magic fairies come in and you go back, that's not so bad. <laughs> you know, so yeah, no, we all think we suck. <laughs> just, yeah, but that's good. It keeps us honest. <laughs> and um, in terms of um, going from again, I'm, I don't want to sort of keep on speaking as in, oh, you know, all these years and years and years of experiences um, making you sound terribly, terribly old, as if I'm. Uh, being no, really I rude. am old. I'm older than dirt. No, that's <laughs> my children. I wrote dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so again I, I just I really want to learn from somebody who has managed to stay creative and inspired and motivated over the long haul um, and I know that I believe your first book came out while you were still in college is that right oh yeah yeah ah, so yeah what was your path to publication like Oh, don't ask. <laughs> I always say, don't ask me about pregnancy or publishing. I'll scare you off of both. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, to publication. Uh, I sold my first short story when I was for, for actual money mm-hmm. when I was in junior high school in 1978. Um, yeah, all I ever wanted to be was a writer. So, uh, yeah, I, I pursued it wholeheartedly. I saved up my babysitting money to get a subscription to Writer's Digest magazine. And so I went, I was an editor for my school paper and for the yearbook. Mm-hmm. And I wrote any and everything I could. So, you know, I was reading through the writer, you know, back when I, back in the dark ages, as my son loves to remind me, back then what you'd have to do is go to the library and get the writer's market and find who was, you know, what the markets were and I was after short fiction at the time because, you know, I was so young that I didn't think I was working on the mo- novels, but I didn't think that, you know, they'd mm-hmm. take them from somebody who was 14 and 15, even though S.C. Hinton did it. And, you know, everybody was telling me, you, you're too young. You can't do this. But by the time I was 18, I had a couple of manuscripts 
I actually finished my first manuscript at 18 uh, at um, eight at age eight, but it was only like a hundred pages long. <laughs> so I knew it was too short for a book. And, um, and it sucked. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It sucked. But the first fleet novel I wrote was I did. I finished when I was 12, but it sucked. And I knew it sucked. But born of night, the actual one that was published, I wrote at 18. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sucked. <laughs> I rewrote it in my 20s and was trying to actually get that one published. But the way that you did it back then is you'd have to call New York mm-hmm. and get the names of the acquiring editors because they changed fairly regularly, mm-hmm. much more so than they do now. And, yeah, what we would do is we'd have writer's groups where we would alternate. Okay, you're going to call these houses and I'll call these houses. There were a lot more publishing houses back in the day. And we would, you know, meet together just so we could get the names of who was acquiring where. And we'd find out, you know, who the different agents were. So we'd do our own marketing reporting to each other. And, yeah, so it it was a whole different kind of process. And you'd have to type everything on a typewriter. (laughs) And submitting was very expensive. Oh, sending things off. Uh Oh, yeah. And then you'd have to call up to New York to pretend to be a secretary so that you could be like, oh, could you tell me what the process is? Um, where where am I in the submission? Has it been read yet? And you'd have to keep the extensive log of where you were in the submission process with all the different publishers. So, yeah, it was. But anyway, so how I got. <laughs> yeah, and Oh, my God. The notes. Anyway. Um, so how did I get published? So, in the slush pile. So, mm-hmm. let's see. I'm in college. Um, I was actually called my editor, the first one I sold, for an interview. I was working for another magazine. Many I wrote for several magazines. And I called my editor up to interview her. She's a new editor. Mm-hmm. And when I called her up, she's like, oh, Sherilyn Kenyon, I was just going to call you. No, I'm not calling about my submission. Because back then you were afraid if you nagged them that they would, mm. you know, tell you no just because you'd called them one time too many about your submission. So I was totally paranoid going, I'm not calling about the submission. I swear to God. I swear to God I'm not nagging you. Like, no, I want to buy it. And it got so quiet. She's like, hello, are you there? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it, it was terrifying. Uh-huh. And it was not that easy. And then it, it took four and a half years for the book to come out because it was the dark ages of publishing. Yeah, it's never that easy. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. And then I had six come out in a two-year span, and then I had four and a half years where I couldn't sell Alpo to a dog kennel. Was that just that market market stuff changes? and? Oh, yeah. Even though they were all bestsellers, and I sold through my entire print run of the first book in five and a half minutes. Slight mm. exaggeration, but no. <laughs> I cleared the warehouse in two months of that first print run. And, I mean, it, it, it flew up the charts. But in the first book signing, I sold through all the books that I had at the book signing in less than an hour. Mm. And they still, I, you know, success and failure are never a guarantee. So, no. Yeah. And publishing is a is a tough business. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I love it and I'm very, very grateful to be doing it. But um, I do think sometimes... That it is very tough and now again the idea of doing it for years and years and seeing the changes in publishing that you must have seen. Oh my god. Yeah. Do you have any sort of tips or advice for kind of keeping sane um, while pursuing (laughs) a career in publishing? (laughs) (laughs) 
oh, don't do it. So <laughs> my, I look at my children, what are you thinking? <laughs> oh, my God. When they told me they wanted to be writers, are you insane? My my youngest son, God, he was having a moment where he came down. Mom, what did they don't let me? What they reject me? And I, I just, I dragged him upstairs to my filing cabinets. And I, I just looked at him, you know, because he'd seen all the books through the house. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're worried about rejection. So I pulled a file folder from 1996, which, like I said, this is after the six books had come out and been bestsellers. And it's the year his older brother was born. I said, I want you to remember, this is 1996, after six books had been published, there are 150 rejections in that one folder. And I told him, I don't ever want to hear you talk. And that's one year out of my writing career. I don't ever want to hear you tell me you're afraid of rejection again. And in that that file folder, and I use this a lot in, in my speeches that I give to other writers, in that file folder is the worst rejection in my writing career. And it's the one that I wrote because it's the one and only book I ever wrote, Chasing a Market Trend. Because at that point, you know, this is after I had two children, and I I wanted to get back in the game so badly. Mm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a marketable book because I've never written them before. And and obviously, the non-genre, mixed-genre stuff's not working for me, so I'm going to write a marketable book. And all of my friends at that time were Regency romance writers. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do what you guys are doing. You're all New York Times bestsellers you're in the top 10 you're my critique partners we're gonna do this i'm gonna suck it up and do it my agent loved it we send that book out it has never been published and one by one all the rejections started coming in and i got the worst rejection of my career no one at this publishing house will ever be interested in pursuing this author do not submit her work to us again ouch and i tell any writer if you get a worse rejection dinner's on me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I pulled that out and I showed it to my son and he has sat down and had dinner with that editor because that editor and that publishing house has published me. I'm like, there you go. Yeah. Don't ever tell me you're afraid of rejection. Oh, that's a fantastic story. <laughs> Speaking as someone who's currently gathering yet another round of rejections, it never ends, does it? Doesn't no. matter where, where you are, never ends. No, no, no. My goodness, and um, I'm very aware that you're super busy. So um, before I before I wrap things up, may I just ask you? I'm going to press you because this podcast is called the Worried Writer. So I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you again if you ever do struggle with writing or maybe with creative block and does that ever happen to you i don't get writer's block per mm-hmm. se, um which thank god but i what my sons do but what from what i've seen being around other writers i think it's more i don't think it's true writer's block. i think it's when you're not listening to your characters mm-hmm. or when you're stressed out about other things yeah and i think that's why i don't get it because I, to me, writing is more, it's like channeling spirits. It's almost like being a medium. And I, I, I'm just like, free reign, go, my <laughs> little chickens, run, be loose. <laughs> be fearless when you write. You don't worry about anything. You turn those little chickens loose in that yard and you just go. Let them take you on the journey. And be fearless. Be fearless. What are you afraid of? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to get rejected? Guess what? You're going to get rejected. And that's just part of life. I mean, you know, there's what what are you afraid of? Somebody's not going to like the book. Somebody's not going to like the book. 
you're not going to be able to control that. And it's going to hurt. We know what that feels like. It's already happened. So don't be afraid. Be fearless. Let those characters fly. You know, we're all writers, but those characters chose you. They live in you. They could have picked another writer, but they picked you. Don't, don't let them not have their story told. You know, to me, being a writer is being true to those characters who picked you. And, and I, the saddest thing to me is when a writer gives up because those stories never get told. And I, I think that, that that's such a tragedy. And, you know, I've seen so many writers quit over the years. And that, that really breaks my heart because I think of all the stories they had in them and all the stories I've known that they've told me about that they never, never finished. Mm-hmm. And I hate that worse than anything. Please don't give up. You know, over, under, around, or through, get that story out there. And now there's so many ways to get published. It's not like back in the dark ages where you had to go through New York. Now you've got hybrid publishing and, and e-publishing. Get those stories out there to the public. There are so many readers who want to read those stories. Mm, That's such a brilliant way of looking at it. Thank you. Very inspiring. So just to finish up, I'd love to hear what's next for you. Um... Dragon oh. Con. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dragon Con. <laughs> Bookwise, Stygian, and then Belinda is next from Dead Men's Cross, and then All oh, My Silent Swans. I can't wait to do those. Those are, I've been wanting to do these since college. I finally get them out. I, I gosh, Dr. Craby, I wish you could have lived. Oh, I wish I'd written them before she died. Oh, I, it breaks my heart. She she told me I was going to write them one day, and I t- promised her I was going to get them before she passed. Um, but yeah, they're the stories of, of historical women that people have forgotten that, that, you know, everybody thinks that women were beaten down in history and they weren't. There are so many fearless women that, that whose stories are unknown. Like the first one that I'm writing about is Cecily Farrar, who came to America from England at age 10, an orphan. Mm-hmm. And she ended up by age 19 was the richest landowner in America. She changed the laws here. She was the, um, she introduced the art of flirtation here in America. And she ended up being the mother or or her children, not her personally, she's called the mother of America, but her children ended up being the grandparents of Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, John Adams, Uh and nobody knows who she is. And one of the greatest things was when um, the original colonists were under attack, all of their plantations were destroyed by the Native Americans, except for hers, because while she was pregnant, they went to burn hers to the ground. She went to the door and said, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) And either they were so afraid of her and thinking she was crazy, or they so respected her, you pick which one. But they went, you know what? We respect you or... That yeah <laughs> and they left her alone wow so and the other ones that all the guys went we're gonna go live with her mm. because she's really something yeah. and so all the men ended up going to live at her plantation for a while because they're like okay whatever she's got we're, we're, we're just gonna go over here <laughs> gosh so yeah they're women like her their stories need to be told because it's like you know we need to finally give voice to them definitely definitely oh that sounds amazing i can't wait to read that oh thank you but yeah yeah 
all the amazing women that we just don't know about. Yes, absolutely. I've um, definitely been learning more and more um, over the last few years and, and thinking, my gosh, there are, so, there are so many women that I didn't know about that I didn't learn about in history class. Oh, and, I know, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh. So that's fantastic. And um, so where can listeners find out more about you and your books online? SherilynKenyon.com uh, on Facebook. I, I'm usually hanging out over there. Your website is amazing. So anyway, I shall put oh, the links. You. I'll put the, all the links in the show notes. But um, thank you so much for your time. It has been amazing to speak to you. Oh, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time.